Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my Team Coast for the last 14 years is with us today. And, you know, between Kathy and I, we have coached and helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. So that top 10%, as you know, if you've been listening to us for a while, is a tipping point. Someone in that top 10%, some of the research is showing, uh, is almost twice as valuable to someone at the 89th percentile and, and below you know, valuable in their leadership, valuable uh, in their contributions, valuable in their communication. And so we're always focusing on what we're calling kind of emotional brilliance. Kathy and I have this background in emotional intelligence. And what's emotional brilliance? It's if you think about a target, it is uh, the middle of the target, the bullseye. When you think about your um, strengths, you think about your abilities. What do you do in the moment to summon, to beckon, to be the best in that moment? Well, that is the bullseye, uh, that aspect of pulling out and having just the right response at the right time. And today we're going to uh, interview Major General John Gronsky, who has a new book uh, out called Iron Sharpened leadership, and he has a wealth of experience in, in the uh, military, and in that idea of being a master of the moment, we're going to hear about some of the aspects that he has from, from his long career, and we'll give you a little bit more of a history uh, of John. He says, find the calm John, or character, competence, and resilience, and we'll bring John on in, in just a uh, a moment, but let me just say a little bit more about this idea of emotional brilliance. On our website, uh, which is www.eblifebook/academy, there's all kind of information and tools that you can use to being able to focus for yourself. And many of you are leading teams in this time of the pandemic and some of the. Uh, crisis emotions are so heightened. So not everybody needs to be a uh, psychologist counselor as a leader, but we'll hear from uh, Major General John uh, Gronsky. How do you bring in some of these aspects of uh, being with your people and whether it's listening and, and focusing on them, these aspects so that in the moment they can be their, their best? So with that, uh, John, let me bring you on, and, and I'll just say a little bit of word about Kathy and myself. We'll bring you on. We have a series of questions about your book, and I understand it's just been, uh, I don't even know if it's released yet, but we'll get that information. But a little bit more information about Kathy. So if, for any listeners, you know that Kathy is the author of nine books, including bestsellers, What Happy Companies Know, What Happy Mothers Know. And more recently, Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus. And uh, Kathy and I have just recently had published the Emotional Brilliance book that you can get at www.eblifebook.com. And if you've been listening to us for these years, you know, you know I have uh, seven books, Emotional Brilliance being one of them, but also Leading with Emotional Intelligence. So you can get more information at www.eb for Emotional Brilliance Life Book. So, John, welcome to the show. Hey, Relly, uh, I want to uh, thank you and Kathy for hosting me today. It's great to be with you. Yeah, we're, we're really happy to be here. And I think we're, uh, Kathy's probably going to join us in a minute, and I know that you and her uh, have a history. But let's just kind of jump into a little bit, um, kind of give us your background, and then we'll, we'll talk about then the book and why the book. But give us a little bit about your background for the listeners. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I spent 40 years in, in the Army between uh, serving on active duty and serving in the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. I got my commission in 1978, 
and uh, just uh, retired in in 2019. So uh, it's amazing uh-huh. how quickly those those years pass by. Uh, so I I really cut my teeth uh, as a leader. Uh, first, growing up in in a family business uh, where customer service was was paramount uh, to the success of that business, and then in the military, and and then uh, being that uh, you know after I, I served uh, some time on active duty, I left active duty and joined the Pennsylvania National Guard. I also had a full time uh, career uh, in the uh, consulting field with a uh, consulting company. Uh, in the Philadelphia region, Greencastle yeah. Consulting, and through uh, leading uh, teams in the utility utility industry, telecommunications, healthcare industries, uh, to implement large complex projects, I not only gained a, a great deal of leadership experience, you know, from the military, but also from the civilian sector as well. And so, uh, essentially, the uh, uh, the book is based on my leadership philosophy, and uh-huh. you mentioned it, Character, Competence, and Resilience. Yeah. And uh, the name of the book is Iron Sharpened Leadership, uh, because um, really Proverbs 27.17, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, you know, really means a lot to me. And, and it's just this whole notion of as we work within teams and work – with other people, we all make each other better and sharper. Oh, that's great. So um, we want to kind of get into this a little bit more. Uh, how long had you been thinking about collecting all this? Because it's great at the, your 40-year career to be able to come back and I know capture uh, some of these things. And also, I imagine, you know, just for all the readers to be able to have that wisdom. But so had you been thinking about writing for a while, and, and what, what's that process, process been like? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, um, you know, since I was in college, I, I actually really uh, took a liking to, uh, to writing. And over the, probably the last 10 years or so, I, I really got into capturing my thoughts about leadership on, on paper and you know, through uh, through blogs and and through some uh, articles I've written for some magazines and and other forms like that, I, I've been able to get some of my my thoughts out there. And then uh, I, I I actually published a book, self published a book about a uh, a bicycle, a cross country bicycle trip I took with my wife and my fifteen month old ah. son back in 1983. And the name well, of that book know, is the Ride of Our Lives. Yeah, go ahead. It, I saw that in the uh, the beginning of your book, and, and uh, yeah, I want to kind of maybe hear a little bit uh, about that, and then we can kind of get into specifics about your book. I mean, I've I've cycled around uh, Europe, uh, you know, for about five six weeks, and that whole idea, especially you taking your your youngster, your son was about fifteen months old. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, again, it was back in 1983, and my wife and I, I, I had just left active duty at the time at Fort Lewis, Washington, so I was on the West Coast, and we planned on moving back to the East Coast, and uh, my wife, Barry, also being an adventurous type of person, uh, uh-huh. when, I, when I mentioned the idea of taking this cross-country bicycle trip with uh, her and our 15-month-old, hey, she was all in, uh, so I... I pulled my son, Stephen, across the United States in, in a trailer. We had a two-man backpacking tent, two sleeping bags, a one-burner camping stove, uh, over 4,000 miles and over three months on the road. And uh, wow. I, kept a journal, I kept a journal about that trip, and it sat in a shoebox for over 35 years. And when I retired from the Army, I decided to uh, take the journal out, and, and I, I, I wrote a book about that that trip and it was basically leadership based because the subtitle yeah. is lessons on life leadership and love and then once i put some of those leadership thoughts in that book i thought to myself you know what uh i, I think i could add a lot of value to to folks by uh putting out a book that that's strictly focused on leadership yeah. and uh, again that's that's where we got the book Okay. So, John, uh, leadership. You know, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, hey, everybody, 
Oh, Hi, good morning, Kathy. good afternoon, whatever time zone you're in. As you may know, I live on a boat. Uh, and yes. unfortunately, we did not have service this morning, and nobody let me know. So I have been fixing the Internet, hooray, and here we are. So, John, thank you so much for being here, Relly. Thanks for covering all the bases. Sure. So, so <laughs> Thanks, thank Kathy. And so, Kath, I didn't, I didn't do him justice in his <laughs> introduction because you know him. Why don't you say, uh, uh, you know, a little bit more about how you, how you met John and that, and then John will get into uh, your second book, which I think is really exciting. So, Kathy, over to you. Well, you know, we, we uh, <laughs> John and I met, wow, a long, long time ago uh, before uh, John was uh, a significant leader. Uh, in our U.S. military. He was military when I met him. Uh, he was a member of a consulting organization. John, do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, so I, I, um, I, was, I, was, I was just going to say I was a member of the Pennsylvania Army National Guard at the time, and I was uh, working with uh, Greencastle Consulting at the time as well. Exactly. And uh, this was a group of... Uh, of gentlemen, warriors, all of them, uh, special operations in the United States Army. And it was an honor and a privilege to come in uh, and sit beside them at the table and talk about some of the things that they were dealing with in growing their business. And John was a delightful outcome uh, of that relationship. John then went on to, uh, to become a multi-star general uh, and uh, for those of you in the civilian world, we can come back to that. Uh, one of the few things that I've learned uh, in the military, which is critical for all of you civilians out there, is you only make a four-star general in times of war. Uh, John uh, was one of those gentlemen who was in theater. His son was with him in theater, and we reconnected on an odd October day. Essentially, um, John had lost quite a few individuals uh, in his uh, troops in a very close and short period of time. And in an effort to, if you will, bring them some happiness, some, some kind of, of solace, uh, I ventured out into a large store, collected about $500 worth of candy, and uh, as it was Halloween, I shipped it unknowingly three-day air, and $800 later, I believe John received a box of goodies that he could distribute to lift the spirits as much as he could during Halloween, and that's where we had connected, and then as life would take us in circles, uh, John and I were both here and there uh, at uh, functions, uh, we had him as an honored guest at the Union League of uh, Philadelphia, where he received the Lincoln Award, and we are just so delighted that John is with us today. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 
Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We are talking to a real-life top performer, Major General John Gronsky. He... Uh, is going to tell us a little bit more about his book, uh, Iron Sharpened Leadership, which is as a pre-order. It will come out in June, um, but you can pre-order it on Amazon, Iron Sharpened Leadership, Major General John Gronsky. And, John, so uh, we talked about the three big aspects. We're zero on, on, on the first one. So character, competence, and resilience. Maybe say a little bit how those came about, and then we'll kind of drill into character. Yeah, sure. No, I, I appreciate that. Uh, it, it's, it's essentially uh, my leadership philosophy that I've developed over the last 40 years. And uh, each one of those three aspects of my leadership philosophy has, has subcomponents to it. So with character, for example, uh, I, I like to talk about values and the importance of one uh, being introspective and understanding what their own personal core values are. Uh, trust is also an element of, of character and the importance of, of um, you know, trusting others first in order to create an environment of trust in an organization. And then the third element of, of character is care. And that, that's basically caring for others and demonstrating to your followers in very real ways that, that, that you care about them. And that's really placing the needs of your followers before your own needs. And that's easy to say, but tough to do. Uh, but that, that's the essence of, of uh, how I define character. John, as you uh, think about your own experiences, and I've been um, fortunate enough to do a bit of a, a pre-read on the draft that you're currently working on for an endorsement. Tell us a little bit about uh, when you came up with these values, trust, and care under character. Can you give us an example of where these came from? Because in the book, you really talk about stories and people and actual things, experiences uh, that that you uh, did or practiced with others. So can you tie those together and how you came up with values, trust, and care? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, one one story that I think really uh, explains this very well, you know, when I was over in Ramadi, Iraq in 2005 and 2006, I commanded a brigade over there. A very violent time, uh, you know, very lethal time over there. And... Uh, it, Ramadi was the capital of Al Anbar province, and since Ramadi was the capital of, of Al Anbar, one of the Iraqis that I had to work with on a regular basis was the governor, Governor Mamoun. And he was 
kind of on the fence about supporting our American operations out uh, over there. But since he wasn't totally against what we were doing, we considered him uh, to be uh, an individual that we had to protect. And there was a point where he had to have a medical procedure con- conducted. And since uh, Ramadi was uh, so dysfunctional, we had him transported about two hours uh, east of us to, to Baghdad to an American medical uh, treatment facility there. And he was, he was gone for about two weeks. And when he came back, the first thing he did, he sent a message to my headquarters that he wanted to meet with me. And I, I got to his headquarters or I got to his, his office at the government center. And, uh, you know, it was a large office. He always had an entourage in there, at least 20 or 30 uh, sheikhs and, and other members of his personal staff around him. And when I showed up, he asked everybody to leave. And the only three remaining in his office were myself, uh, my interpreter and, and, and the governor himself. And he sat down beside me and he, he took my hand in his hand. That's the first time he ever did that. And for anybody who knows anything about Arab culture, that's that's a sign of respect and trust from one man to another. And he he told me this story. He said when he was at that American military treatment facility in, in Baghdad, he watched uh, with his own eyes how a wounded insurgent was brought to the, the trauma center there. And he said he watched how American medics and nurses and doctors struggled to save the life of this insurgent. And he looked and at John, me and maybe, said, I cannot believe... John, I just want to... John, I just want to... Yeah. I don't want to interrupt the story, but we have a civilian, mostly a civilian audience. Could you tell them what an insurgent is? Yes, yes. An, an insurgent uh, would be, uh, again, in Iraq, normally in, in Iraqi, although there, there were, you know, foreign fighters there as well, uh, who would try to disrupt the legitimate government of Iraq for their own goals and for their own means. So that, that's what insurgent is. And, and usually they, they do things like emplace roadside bombs or improvise explosive devices to attack government officials in Iraq or uh, coalition forces that are over there. So that, that's what an insurgent is. So, wow. again, these insurgents were fighting against us and fighting against the uh, legitimate Iraqi government. Oh. And, your, your enemy. Uh, he, and, yeah, yeah. And, and again, these insurgents had the blood on their hands of, of many uh, American soldiers and Marines. And, and uh, again, he said he watched how this wounded insurgent was brought to the trauma center there, and he watched how the American medics and nurses and doctors struggled to save this insurgent's life. And then he looked in my eyes and he said, and I was a colonel at that time, he said, Colonel Gronsky, he said, I, I cannot believe how hard you Americans worked and struggled to save the life of one of your enemies. He said, now I know what you were trying to tell me about American values and the values of your soldiers and Marines. And that was really a turning point in him throwing more support to our military effort over there in Ramadi uh, after he shared that story for me. So a few points here. First of all, someone is always watching. You know, it's important to do the right thing because someone is, is, is always watching. And then the other thing is by being true to our values, by uh, being true to our character as leaders and as followers, uh, we develop trust in an organization. And many times trust with people that we don't even realize we're developing uh, trust with. So I think that's a, a perfect story to demonstrate how important, uh, you know, character, values, trust caring for others is that's a great story john um and i'm sure you you, you got a, a ton of them um yeah if you had a, and i think as we're working with with leaders and and team members coming up with values like what would you say are your top values you know and i'm sorry i'm yeah. sure it's embedded yeah. in the book but if you had to kind of say you know often kathy and i may say you know help someone who maybe is not as articulate about their values coming up with the top ones what would you say yours are yeah, uh, no, for sure. You know, and, and, and it's funny because I remember when I was in my late 20s, I went to a dinner and the speaker at the dinner uh, talked about her personal core values. And it was very interesting and, and, and how, how they made a difference in her life. And as I'm driving back from this dinner after listening to the keynote speaker, I'm thinking to myself, hey, if anybody asked me what my <laughs> personal 
core values were, right. would I be able to tell them? And I and yeah. I realized that okay, I had values, but no, I never thought long and hard enough to determine exactly what my own personal core values were. So I uh, went on this introspective process for about six months or so, really uh, thinking about hey, what is important in my life? And and at the end of that that mental and emotional journey, I, I came up with values that are important to me, which include service, persistence, integrity, and and uh, positive energy. And so those are really my personal core values that, that I came up with, and, and they've really stuck with me. And whenever I go into a situation and I have to make a decision, I... Right think about what my core values are and try to make personal decisions that are aligned with my core values. So, John, what, what's great about that, that's why I'm just jumping in, what I said earlier about your uh, kind of the emotional brain, sometimes we call that kind of your go-to, and you had a perfect definition of what's your go-to, especially in new situations, challenging situations, you know, and, and what you just stated, your values. Kathy and I often would talk about, you know, helping people identify kind of in, what's your go-to. So you're about ready to get ready for something. What what kind of readies you? And that's kind of what that go-to is. So so beautiful. Service, persistence, integrity, positive energy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, we're going to come right back, John, to hold that thought and don't go away. We're going to be right back. We're talking to... Major General John Gronsky about character based on his forthcoming book, Iron Sharpened Leadership. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you are part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Major John Kronsky. His new book, Iron Sharpened Leadership, we're getting into. You can pre-order it on Amazon. And we're at the first part. He's got character, competence, and resilience. We're zeroing in on character. Uh, And, John, you talked about the three Vs, vision, values, and vulnerability. And maybe we can hear a little bit more about vulnerability. You know, I think people uh, in the military, a lot of our kind of alpha leaders, in, in a sense, that word vulnerability, 
uh, is coming up more now in the leadership literature. But I think there's natural reservations to that. I mean, you know, really, who wants to be vulnerable? But maybe you can share um, why that's important in any kind of experiences you had, you know, about that, why vulnerability is so important as a leader. No, uh, great question. And, yeah, I really think vulnerability is, is an element of developing one's resilience. And when I talk about vulnerability, I think there's several different aspects to vulnerability. One is, you know, having courage, the courage to move out of your comfort zone. And, uh, you know, many leaders, you know, kind of get into a, a, a routine and, and a, a comfortable way of, of uh, you know, leading their organization. And I believe that no matter how long anyone has spent in a leadership position, uh, we need to continue to grow. And I think the only way we could continue to continue to grow is to uh, find a way to place ourselves outside of, of that comfort zone. So that, that's, that's one aspect of, of vulnerability as it applies to, to leadership. The, the other part of it is, you know, leaders have to allow themselves to be approachable. Uh, it does no good if, you know, followers are, you know, uh, uh, hesitant to, to approach a leader and, and, and share those thoughts because uh, you're just not taking advantage of the diversity within your, your organization. I think one way uh, that you could develop an environment of, of approachability is by sharing your own personal stories with others. And in the book uh, I wrote, Iron Sharpened Leadership, there's, there's a lot of stories I tell about mistakes I made and how I learned from those mistakes. And I do think leaders need to allow themselves to be vulnerable by sharing stories with followers about the times that they took a swing with the bad and they missed, or the times they made a mistake, or the times they tried something and failed. Because followers think, you know, followers usually think their leaders, you know, uh, never never failed in anything. They, they think that their followers, right. every time they touch something, it turned to gold. And it's so important, especially in these times of the pandemic and, and all the struggles that our followers potentially are going through. I think it's important for leaders to make to allow themselves to be vulnerable and let their followers know, hey, you know, I'm struggling a bit, too. You know, these times aren't easy for me either. And then the other uh, element of vulnerability is asking your followers what their opinion is. And many times as, as a leader, uh, especially in the military, you know, whether I was leading, you know, the 5,000 soldiers and Marines over in Ramadi or, or uh, you know, 15,000 soldiers when I commanded the 28th Infantry Division or smaller teams like a, a small team I led in Lithuania uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, I, I found it very important to ask people what their opinion is because that's a great way to develop trust. And, and by asking people for their opinion, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable because a lot of times their opinion or the recommendation might be a little bit different approach than, than you would take. And, and I'd recommend to any leader, you know, if your follower wants to take a little bit different approach uh, than, than you would take, but it's still going to get the job done, I've always defaulted to uh, the approach that one of my followers would want to take, unless it was a total mistake or something, uh, because it, it shows them that you respect their opinion, and it allows them to take some ownership over the approach one might take to to accomplish a, an objective or a mission. Wow. So, you know, that those you are know, my, John, my my thoughts yeah. on vulnerability. I just, uh, yeah, I was just going to say that uh, that resonates strongly with one of my uh, greatest mentors, uh, and that was Warren Bennis. And Warren would always say, "Ask the powerful questions." that allow people to show you what they know, who they are, and how they want to support you. And so that idea that asking opinions creates trust is so valuable. And it also resonates with something Jerry Boykin, one of the founders of our, uh, you know, special forces in the Army, you know, Jerry always says, if you have moral courage... It will allow you to always do the right thing, but it also allows you to move out of your comfort zone to do 
the right thing that might not always have been recognized by you as the individual who's leading. And I, I think, you know, powerful words and put into such uh, chunks of, of salient knowledge, uh, vulnerability, you know, means being approachable and, and asking opinions. As, as we talk about uh, where you're going uh, with character in the book, can you talk a little bit more about uh, this thing you call developed resilience out of vulnerability? That really struck me. You said vulnerability is the result of developed resilience. Yeah, yeah, I, I really think uh, in order to develop one's resiliency, you've got to allow yourself to be vulnerable and do those those things that I, I talked about. And you've got to be able to move out of your comfort zone to develop resiliency. Because we talk a lot about resiliency, and I don't think resiliency happens by itself. I think it's kind of like work, you know, working out in a gym. You know, you've got certain muscles you've got to work when you go to a gym or a fitness center. And I think resiliency is a muscle that we have to take time to work. And the other thing with, with leadership, I don't think uh, leaders should only focus on developing their own resiliency, but I think it's essential that leaders help their followers uh, develop resiliency as well. I think that's one of the key roles of a leader is to show followers through their, through their uh, personal example, through their coaching, through their mentorship, show their followers how their followers could become more resilient as, as well. And by doing exactly the, the things I talked about and by allowing your followers to leave their comfort zone and show initiative, and if they do happen to make a mistake uh, because they displayed initiative, as long as it's not a mistake of character or something, but let, let, let your followers know that, hey, initiative is so important to me and my organization that I'm going to accept the fact that you might make an honest mistake now and then because you're trying something new. And, and, and that's another element of vulnerability and how you could help followers develop their resiliency. Makes perfect sense. So, John, you yeah. said a lot of really great things. I'm just going to capture a little bit of that. You know, the uh, idea of, of, you know, taking risks in psychology. They have what's called the expert model, and the coping model, and so the vulnerability, and you said it, people relate to the coping model. You know, someone who makes, who falls down, gets up, makes mistakes, but learns from it. We all say, oh, that's me. And I think you said it nicely, uh, John. The expert model, we can't relate to because I'll never be that. And so just that idea of that, and then the other thing I want to just anchor is asking their opinion and how that leads to trust and you know, in some of the engagement surveys in the business world, uh, Gallup has you know these questions. I'm sure every engagement survey has has this question: Does my opinion seem to count? You know, as Kathy and I work with leaders, you know, the, exactly like you're saying, John. If you're not asking them that, their opinion doesn't count. Your opinion counts, but theirs doesn't. And so that adds to adding trust to what you're saying. Yeah, and if I could just add to that a little bit, you know. Sure. When a leader asks somebody their, their opinion, like I said, I, I try to go forward with uh, a recommendation if, you know, might be a little bit different than I was going to do, but it's still going to achieve uh, the objective. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to use somebody else's opinion. However, somebody might come up with a recommendation or an opinion that just isn't going to get the job done. I think in those cases, the leader really has to circle back with that follower and explain to them why you're not going to use their recommendation. You know, that's kind of an extra step. It takes maybe a little bit more time. Uh, but I do think followers uh, need a little bit of follow-up from the leader when the leader decides to go down a, a, a different path or take a different approach. It really shows somebody a great deal of respect when you take, a time to, take the time to come back to them and explain why you're not going to use their suggestion. And doesn't that, John, come back to the idea of care? You know, yesterday, which was uh, Valentine's Day, uh, I went to the uh, USS Wisconsin. And uh, for those of you who, who don't know, the USS Wisconsin uh, was commissioned uh, in 19, I believe, 1944 
uh, was recommissioned, uh, in fact, to go out into the uh, uh, Iraq War, I believe, was retired in 2010 and is now a museum. And my dad, who was in the Navy, uh, was one of the folks during the Korean War who served on a ship very similar to that. And what compelled me to go was, in fact, that very feeling of, of caring for others. Um, it was like revisiting family. And when you walk on that ship, you get a sense of what it was like uh, for you know, thousands of men to live in very small quarters. And if you didn't care for each other or care for the person that you were uh, responsible for, uh, you were going to quickly learn how important that character, value, trust, and care are. Can you just comment on a little bit more related to care? Such a compelling idea. Yeah, yeah. just, just a quick story on that. Um, in uh, 2000, early 2002, just several months after September 11, 2001, the attacks of that day, uh, I was tasked as a National Guardsman of taking 2,000 National Guard soldiers over to Europe to do a force protection mission at Army installations in Germany, Italy, uh, the Netherlands, and, and, and Belgium. And force protection, that, that simply means, hey, we were guarding those installations because obviously it was you know just months after 9-11, we didn't know what other attacks might, might occur. So at any rate, I'm over there with 2,000 soldiers that are distributed throughout these four countries. Uh, and, and one of the things I did was I, I went, I was on the road constantly visiting the soldiers to just check on them, make sure they were getting everything they needed so they could do their mission well and, and that they had the life support items they needed and, and et cetera, et cetera. And at any rate, uh, at one point in time, um, the division commander from the 28th ID, which I was part of, came over to visit and he asked me if I was out traveling and checking on the troops. And he knew I was, but of course I, I answered I, I was. And he said, hey, hey, John, he goes, let, let me give you a, uh, a tip. He said, when you're out visiting these soldiers, he said, take a picture of them, you know, you and that soldier together, and then find out what loved one that soldier might want that picture sent to back home in the United States. You know, it could be a wife, it could be a husband, it could be a, a, a daughter, son, mother, father, whomever. He said, then write a little handwritten note and, and, and send a picture with that handwritten note back over to the loved one. And I thought, man, that's a great idea. So this is the days before digital cameras. So I would, I would get these pictures taken with these soldiers that I would visit with, and then we'd get them developed at the, at the post exchange there. And then I would, I would uh, mail these pictures back with a handwritten note. Over 10 years later, I would still have family members when I'd be at a function coming up to me and telling me how much they appreciated the fact that I sent a picture of their soldier back to them with a little note. And soldiers would come up to me, you know, 10, 15 years after that, and tell me how much they appreciated the fact that I took the time to send this little note to their family. And many of them would say, you know, that picture is still hanging on our refrigerator in the kitchen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's just an example of doing something very simple. Yeah and how meaningful that is to somebody. That's great. And I think that's a perfect thing, and we'll, we'll go to a break, John. But I think when you think of the, the basic that people want, it, they want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to be valued. You know, and I think you just yeah, capsulize that perfectly. So we're going to go to our, our last break, and uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Just listen to when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic plays to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power 
brand influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at Fearless fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back here to our our last segment, went so fast, on iron sharpened leadership and the subject of character, values, trust, and care with our guest. Major General John Gronsky. And just before we go, John, uh, I would love you to talk about a little bit about toxic leadership given character, but I just want the audience to, again, uh, get your website. That's John, J-O-H-N, at John Gronsky, G-R-O-N-S-K-I.com. So with that said, John, why don't you take whatever time you need uh, with about the five or six minutes we have left to talk about how not to be a toxic leader. Yeah, no, that that's uh, a great topic. You know, uh, uh, toxic leadership is, is something that I think has been uh, something many leaders and organizations have been focused on not trying to be, you know, for the last several years. And, you know, when I, when I talk to people about toxic leadership, I like to say that if a leader treats their followers and others in the organization or outside of the organization with dignity and respect, it's almost impossible to be labeled a toxic leader. And I'll just talk a little bit more about that. Now, that doesn't mean that a leader cannot enforce standards, but a leader, you know, could, could, could enforce standards in in a way that is dignified and respectful to people that you may have to correct. It doesn't mean a leader cannot counsel others for performance issues, but a leader could do that counseling in a very dignified and respectful way. I mean, the old adage, praise in public and and, and counsel in private is is very important. And and so I I think those those elements of, of just understanding uh, that if you treat people in a dignified, respectful way, uh, you're going to create a strength and trust within the organization. And I also like to say that, you know, a, a leader could even fire somebody in a dignified and respectful way. So uh, no way am I trying to say that, that leaders should not enforce standards, uh, but, but you just have to do it in a way that is respectful to others and, and the you know, just treat people the way... Uh, you would you would like to be treated. So uh, I, I think if you follow that simple concept, it'd be almost impossible to be labeled as a toxic leader. 
That's really good. You know, and I think we have, you know, uh, so many folks who are trying to be their best leaders, and, and Kathy and I always talk about your best leader, but then it always comes up as your worst leader. Um, you know, you have uh, a great quote in there about keeping your feet on the ground about humility, and maybe we'll end just saying a word or two about humility, and you quote C.S. Lewis. Humility is not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. So maybe as we end, to kind of take us out, just talking about a few things about you know humility. No, no, humility is, is, is so important. And, you know, followers could see through leaders. Uh, followers uh, could see through whether a leader is being authentic or not. And, uh, you know, if, if uh, a leader is trying to take credit for something that the followers did, or if leaders are trying to fix blame on followers rather than taking responsibility themselves. I mean, followers will will see right through that. And I think everything we talked about here uh, regarding character, competence, and and, and resilience, it it all comes back to developing trust in an organization. I like to say that trust is the oil in an organization that allows the engine of that organization to to run smoothly. So really, everything we're talking about isn't just, you know, soft skill stuff that's really uh, comes back to, hey, if you want your organization to be profitable, if you want it to be run af- effectively and efficiently, you've got to uh, be an iron-sharpened leader and and be understanding of the elements of character, competence, and resilience in order to lead your organization so it's profitable and so it's successful. You know, John, as as you talk about these wonderful concepts, from an operational perspective. I just want to remind our audience uh, that at our new site, Emotional Brains Academy, we have a whole program called GovXPath, and that will be where we will have most of our leadership content for military and law enforcement. However, John, you are a special case, and Relly and I are currently working on our MasterPath offering. And if you all go to ebbooklife.com backslash learn or ebbooklife.com backslash free trial, you can get a, a look at the site and what we offer in MasterPass and OnePass, and you can get a free seven-day all-access pass. And as we move together in introducing John and his new book, we are going to be posting components of interviews with John, and you can find them on both MasterPath and GovXPath. So make sure you go to eblifebook.com backslash learn, pick up your free bonus and other tools and tips to be your best. John, thank you so much for being with us today. We're very grateful. Hey, thank Kathy, you, John. Really, it, was really, it was really great being with both of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we appreciate it. So thank you, folks, for tuning in to Tune Up Your Performance with Leadership Development News. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. 